You're listening to Spring Forward, a series of podcasts from Ada and Worthing Councils. I'm your host, Neil Pringle, and I'm visiting some of the places and people which make our local area so special. This podcast series is all about getting out and enjoying where you live to the full. It's about elevating a simple walk and making it a richer and more rewarding experience. Today, I'm in the centre of Worthing, celebrating the town's past. The observations Jane Austen made while she was in Worthing were used in her novel Sanditon. My guides are Judy Fox, whose job is to promote Worthing as a desirable destination. Historic buildings, those are often particularly attractive to people when they're looking to move to a new area. And Sue Belton, chair of the Worthing Society. It was saved by the founder member of the Worthing Society, Pat Baring, known affectionately as the Battle Axe. We start at Pizza Express, or as it was originally known, Stanford Cottage. Well, hello, welcome to Worthing Town Centre. I'm standing in Stamford Square. Now, you may know Stamford Square, but if you don't, it's just off Warwick Street, which is the street with all the restaurants in, and it's sort of that little bit down to your left, which has probably the best landmark is it's got Peter Express at the end of it. And uh, the restaurant is actually housed in Stamford Cottage. And that's why we're here, because I'm starting with a bit of literature. Let me try this on you. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife, however little known the feelings or views of such a man may be. One of the most famous opening lines, I guess, of a book ever, written by a lady with a worthing connection. Now, the book Pride and Prejudice, the novelist Jane Austen, and today we're going to hear about Jane Austen's worthing connection. Not just Jane Austen, but also uh, some other notable people with connections to Worthing, all marked by those well-known blue plaques. So today we're going on a magical history tour, and all tours need a good guide, and we have a great guide. Sue Belton is the chair of the Worthing Society, and she's with me here. Hi, Sue. Hello. Hi. Good afternoon, Neil. And thank you very much for inviting me this afternoon. Not at all. Not at all. So and here we are. And there's a blue plaque in front of us. Jane Austen, novelist, stayed here. Stamford Cottage, 18th of September, 1805, to the year end. So she had three months here. Indeed so. One of my committee members was fortunate enough to be a member of the Jane Austen National Society and between us we managed to find the research in one of the diaries belonging to the niece of Jane Austen, Fanny, that the family stayed here, albeit for a short time, in 1805. Stanford Cottage was owned by a Mr Edward Stanford, a local businessman, uh, entrepreneur if you like. He was a hatter, a piano tuner, and he rented out Stanford Cottage as a holiday home almost. So um, this was a holiday let? It, it, a holiday <laughs> let. <laughs> um, a in, very nice holiday it, let it's though. It's beautiful. The name cottage is a bit misleading. It is, in fact, a two-storey house built circa 1795, so it's a Georgian house of two storeys with a mansard roof and a very large attic. So, I mean, what's really interesting about this is its location. Now, 
it's difficult for me to understand what it was like in 1805, but here it's kind of tacked on to the town centre in a way. It's down a little jitty and it's almost in its own sort of hiding place. It is. In 1805, this would have been the, is the north elevation of the house. The south elevation, which we can't see from here, would have been facing the sea and would have had a very large garden leading down to Marine Parade. Along here, where we're standing, would be just an open pathway where the carriages came along and a wooden gate to enter the house. So in its day, it sat in some very beautiful grounds. Did, um, did J Jane Austen swim? Was she known for her swimming? We understand that the Austen ladies, her mother was here with her sister Cassandra and her niece, may well have walked down Library Place at the side of um, Pizza Express um, to take part in some sea bathing in the bathing huts that were just being introduced. And we believe that the observations Jane Austen made while she was in Worthing were used in her novel Sanditon, which reflects the story of an up-and-coming seaside town. Ah, I was going to ask that because you wonder whether or not they take anything away and there's any evidence that Sanditon, which, which was unfinished, wasn't it? Was it? Unfi it was yeah. her last um, unfinished novel. She died uh, quite young, sadly, in um, 1817. But is there, I mean, is there some debate? Are there other seaside towns who say no? No, we're Sanderton. Um, the way it was reflected in the television programme, some of the geographic features didn't seem to coincide with Worthing, but there were other elements and some of the characters that seemed to correspond with Worthing, how it would have been at that time. So we, uh, the consensus of opinion with the Jane Austen Society is that um, Jane Austen did take some of the observations into her novel from her stay in Worthing, which we understood she very much enjoyed. At that time, she was 29 and an unpublished novelist, so she was uh, still waiting to be world famous. We do know that um, Pizza Express, Stanford Cottage, has had visitors from all over the world because Jane Austen Society is international. We did a talk here for 71 of their members some years ago. I think the Worthing Society is trying to unlock the town's history and to open up the research and in doing so stimulate the local economy. While people are here, they will have a meal, they will walk around the town, a glass of wine, a cake and do some shopping. They may stay overnight and come back again. So we hope that our heritage buildings like this can still play a part. Well, that's a very good point to introduce my next guest, because Judy Fox from Worthing Ada Councils, that's kind of like her day job, really, to attract people to the town. And we're going to find out whether or not history can play that part. So Judy, thank you for joining us. Hello. Nice to meet you. And here we are outside. I can't say Jane Austen's house because she only stayed here for three or four months or something like that, but she's thoroughly enjoyed it. Is history important to a town? I think history is always important to a town on a number of different levels. I mean, it's really important for local people to be able to kind of find a way of celebrating 
their ancestry and, and maybe a way of linking into that at the present time. It's really important for the visitor economy. You know, it's a big pull. You know, local history and heritage is always a popular attraction for local people, I think, and finding yeah. out more about what's been going on in the town. You're involved in Time for Worthing, which is this initiative to try and s- celebrate the area, bring people in. Is it for tourists or is it a wider sort of thing? Is it about people wanting to move here, say? Um, it, so, yeah, Time for Worthing is much wider than just tourism or the visitor economy it's actually a place brand so it's linking in with the visitor economy with civic pride and specifically also with inward investment so i can see how history fits in very well with that it's another string to the bow isn't it yeah absolutely i mean you know as you mentioned there there are people looking to move to worthing now and obviously if you've got historic buildings those are often particularly attractive to people when they're looking to move to a new area. Maybe Sue, let me just bring you in. Is the seaside the key here? Do do people come to Worthing because of the sea? I think it is, uh, but I think also Worthing has a traditional feel about it, traditional seaside character, a Regency Victorian uh, experience and we've worked very hard with Judy and the council team to upgrade some of the buildings and preserve that uh, right. experience so yes I think the seaside and it was in Jane Austen's time following Princess Amelia's visit was very popular with the new bathing machines and there was a great spurt of growth in building at that time people were cashing in. You see I think this is an interesting one because Worthing and its Regency past it could work both ways do some people think that Worthing is a little bit old for them they may have done in the past but I think the perceptions of Worthing have really changed over the last few years and whilst I totally agree with Sue that Worthing is in some ways a traditional seaside town I would say now that it's actually a traditional seaside town with a twist with lots of kind of opportunities for younger audiences there's you know alongside the history and heritage which of course is you know immensely important um, there are also a whole heap of activities around you know water sports everything from kiteboarding, stand-up paddleboarding, windsurfing. We've got a massive independent art scene now and independent shopping, which is really important. And I think, you know, things like that bring in new audiences who can enjoy the history and heritage, but also the new as well. See, I think this is interesting because I live halfway between Worthing and Brighton. And it's not just because you're here. But if, if, if it comes to an evening when we're thinking, when we're allowed to, by the way, let's go out, I'd rather come to Worthing than Brighton. I don't want to be unpleasant to Brighton. But it's A, it's expensive to park. And B, it's like going to London sometimes. You know, it doesn't feel, doesn't have that same sort of character, I think, of Worthing. You're nodding, so I, I'm obviously saying all the right things here. Yeah, I think there's a million reasons to come to Worthing over Brighton and um, you know accessibility is one but and and once you're here it's it's so nice that you can just you know everything is within walking distance there's less it's less crowded it's much more laid back I mean I think Worthing we're not trying to compete with Brighton we are 
about promoting Worthing as you know as a destination in itself with its own reason to come here which you've just you know beautifully explained and we love Brighton as well obviously Brighton's, Brighton's a lovely place we do love Brighton but it's different but it is different, different. It is different. it's a different experience what brought you to Worthing can I ask the same thing as everyone else really you know the space it's a great place to work it's you know it's a fantastic place to be able to promote and there's so many opportunities I think that it's absolutely heading in the right direction and getting better and better all the time yes we I, I mentioned right at the start we're in what I call the restaurant street because there are some nice restaurants down down Warwick Street there. That's just another string to the bow, isn't it? You know, Worthing is starting to get a name in lots of, lots of different areas now. Yeah, and I think people are, you know, from all over Sussex and beyond are always looking out for the next up-and-coming place, and I think that's Worthing at the moment. And it's nice to be able to go to a restaurant that you haven't been to before and discover something new, and I think... That's exactly what you can do in Worthing. Every time you come here at the moment, there's a new, really high-quality restaurant or bar or cafe or independent shop or art gallery that's opened up. So you know that every time you come, there's going to be something new. So you must be, you must be from the, the Civic Society, you must be brimming with pride here, the, the <laughs> civic pride of, of Worthing. We are indeed. Um, we've worked very closely with Judy and her team over the last couple of years, it must be, now to generate the Blue Plark Trail and to try and balance our heritage with the up-and-coming facilities that Judy has mentioned to draw out the seaside characteristics, the water sports, the cafes and to make sure that there is a balance. I think the history of the building gives it a unique sense of place. It's like the scenery, like the backdrop to the town and it is less pressurised than Brighton. I think that's why people enjoy it. So we're very pleased with what we've achieved in terms of contributing the Blue Plot Trail to the town and uh, we hope to go on doing that. I think there are two further plaques uh, in the pipeline for this year. One for Ellen Chapman at the Town Hall. She was Worthing's first Lady Mayor just after the First World War. So we're trying to draw out the historic character of the town as well. Right, okay. I particularly feel that when a town like Worthing is changing in the way that it is so rapidly, I think there's a particular, uh, you know, importance in recognising historic buildings and making sure that we protect those buildings which are absolutely kind of important to the fabric of the town. I think that's particularly important at a time like this because it is, you know, Worthing is changing and it's it's changing quite fast so make sure you're fit for the future but don't discard the past is absolutely is, is, is part yeah, of it yeah exactly Judy, treasure it yes exactly well that's what we get we're gonna have a little treasuring moment now thank you so much for joining that's us. a pleasure thank you very much you're listening to a spring forward podcast with me neil pringle i'm taking a journey around adrian worthing to gain a deeper understanding of the places and people for more information of all the topics covered in these podcasts, head to the Spring Forward section of the Ada and Worthing Council's website. Today, I'm in Worthing Town Centre, hearing the stories behind some of the town's blue plaques. Sue and I set off to explore. We have walked out of Stamford Square 
and I thought this was going to be quite a schlep but actually it's about 50 yards <laughs> and we turned left into Warwick Street we're, we're standing in front of one of the newer restaurants this is the Kenny Tut restaurant pitch of the other side there's the pub the Warwick and if you look up on the wall there is a plaque that says Shelley House Indeed. Percy Bysshe Shelley yes. well-known poet even Indeed. I've heard of him <laughs> one of the most significant romantic poets of the time with a connection to Castle Goring. Unfortunately, although the house was built for him by his grandfather, Percy Bysshe uh, Shelley died in 1822 and never lived there. The building we're looking at now, which is just above the Warwick pub, bow-fronted uh, building, has a blue plaque because a lot of his works and uh, documents were actually printed here. So oh, wow. it's another literary connection. This was a printing house then, was it? It would seem so. I don't know a great deal about it, but um, it, it was where um, some of his works were actually printed at that time. And now a pulp. So if we turn south here, we come into Bedford Row, which is one of, I think, the second oldest um, Regency Terrace in the town after Warwick Road. We're coming down to look at the blue plaque, which was dedicated in honour of William Hudson. Ah. And here we are, WH Hudson, um, stayed here in uh, after the First World War in June 1918. He also stayed occasionally uh, at number 14 Bedford Row. William Hudson was a writer, a naturalist and an ornithologist. He was born in Buenos Aires in 1841. We believe that's where he acquired his love of wildlife. Um, on coming to England, um, we understand that he worked with the Finn <laughs> Fur and Feather Club and the <laughs> Plumage Society um, to bring about the formation of the Royal Society of Prevention of Cruelty to Birds in the Edwardian times and uh, just after the First World War. Feathers were very fashionable for ladies and some of the methods to obtain the feathers were very cruel. So he was very much um, a man ahead of his time oh, yeah. and he was the chairman of the RSPB in 1894 and when he died in 1922 he had left a considerable amount of his estate to them and he's buried in uh, Broadwater Cemetery. A very interesting man and perhaps a man ahead of his time. Yeah, absolutely. He stayed in this beautiful house which has the lovely yellow traditional brick stone worthing. So here we are on the seafront and it is such an iconic building isn't it? The, the Dome Cinema. It is and it's um, very special to us as well. Um, the building um, was sold to the council in around about 1969 and for a period after that it fell into uh, some form of uh, dereliction, it had no real viable use and the council wanted to demolish the building 
and it was the Worthing Society who led a campaign in the early 1980s to save the building and uh, I think we obtained 35,000 signatures. That's how strongly people felt about this iconic building. Worthing would not be Worthing without coming into the steam, turning that corner and seeing that wonderful dome. One of the uh, the things that we've been celebrating in our Spring Forward podcasts is the fact that it's quite good to get out. Yes. It's good to get out and it's good to explore your area. And, you know, I think, you know, alongside wildlife, history is a great way Mm -hmm. of exploring your local area because, I mean, I've just learned over (laughs) the last few minutes that despite the fact that I've, I've visited Worthing many, many times, I don't know very much about it. I know. It, it, I think Worthing has um, been in the shadows a little bit, if I can put it like that way. It's had a sort of um, image of being a retirement town. Nothing much happens there. But actually, we're hoping to shine a light on the history and invite people to look through the historic keyhole, as it were. The house we're now looking at, the south elevation of Beach House, is really um, a heritage heavyweight. It's really iconic to Worthing. It holds the heritage beacon as you come in um, from the east side of Worthing, and it really does show the value of looking after our wonderful buildings. Because this is, this is another building that this, might have gone. This is another building that would have gone. Um, It has a fascinating history. It was saved by the founder member of the Worthing Society, Pat Baring, known affectionately as the Battle Axe. (laughs) You didn't want to get on the wrong side of Pat. (laughs) No. (laughs) Who led um, a five-year campaign uh, to save the house. The council of the day uh, wanted uh, to replace it with a car park. Yeah, this historic building is now Grade 2 star listed, so it's of national importance, not just local. I understand this doesn't just have one blue plaque, this has three. And the three blue plaques that we have here are to King Edward VII, who stayed here on several occasions, Edward Knobloch, who was a playwright who wrote Kismet, who lived here after the Second World War, and a blue plaque to the Basque refugee children that were housed here um, when they were rescued from the Spanish Civil War. We feel that the blue plaques are a visual way of highlighting our history and a precursor for some people to actually go on and learn more about these wonderful buildings. You've been listening to a Spring Forward podcast brought to you by Ada and Worthing Councils. In other episodes, I try sea swimming, visit one of Worthing's finest parks, take a walk along the banks of the River Ada, and go beachcombing in Lansing. So do check them out if you can. For more ideas on how to look after your health and well-being, go to the Spring Forward section of the Council's website. Thanks for listening. <laughs>